Peace with God is not like a weather condition. It's not like today's sunny, tomorrow's stormy. Peace with God is like a location that we experience. It is a noun. It's, it's the thing that we are in. It is not circumstantial. It is not a verb that is sometimes happening and sometimes not. It is an actual noun that we have, and the way we have it is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm Nicole Eunice, your host. And today we're in Romans chapter 5. It was so encouraging and uplifting to spend time with my friend Rayshawn last week in chapter 4. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And for those of you who are just joining us, welcome. We are walking with God through the book of Romans. We have a whole group of people from all over the world who are spending time together each week, just walking through the simple practice of placing ourselves under God's word and asking him to reveal to us what he has for us in his word each and every single day. So I'm going to say a prayer as we get started. So if you want to join me, if you just want to take a deep breath and um, leave behind whatever you've been in the middle of doing today and give yourself this space, know that giving this space is an act of worship. It is a way of opening yourself up to God. It is a way to be faithful to his word. When we when we show up in faith and say, God, I'm here to listen and to receive from you, God rewards that faithfulness. We see that through scripture from Genesis to Revelation. So deep breath. Father in heaven, would you open our hearts to receive your word? Would you open our minds to understand what you are revealing to us? And would you open our hands to just allow you to pour your grace into our lives today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to focus on the first two verses. That's it. Just in the first two verses, we are going to find a framework that helps us understand the whole rest of the chapter. So my my hope and heart is that you have already read the chapter and that you're now coming back to it to explore together and kind of pull out the principles. We're going to use those four questions that we always ask of the text. So we're going to start in um, verse one chapter five, and I'll read you the first two verses. So listen up and just think about the words that stand out for you when we think about this question of what does this say? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, I'm going to read that again. And if you're a note taker, I want you to think about what are the what are the phrases that stand out to you in these first two verses, okay? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, so this is packed, you guys, with these with these action phrases, right? So we've got all of this movement going on in these first two verses. We have location changes happening in us, and we have we have movement that's taking us from a one point to another point. And so if I was going to write down what those phrases are that we're going to talk about, there's four phrases in these two verses that I want to talk about. The first one is justified by faith. The second one is peace with God. The third is access into this grace. So it says access by faith into this grace. 
and then finally boasting in hope. Okay. So we're going to talk about all four of those. Let's start with justified by faith. This is where we were going uh, last week. We started talking about this concept. This concept begins to be laid out for us in the passage, starting in verse nine. It says, now we've been justified by his blood and by his blood is referring to the work of Christ, what Jesus did in his sacrifice on the cross. So we want to know a little backstory. And what we know about God is that in his holiness, in his separateness, in order to uh, reconcile when that holiness has been breached, when there's been a way that we have sinned against God, a sacrifice must be made. There must be in order to, there's a cost to coming back into that holiness in order to stand in that place. And the whole Old Testament system is about that sacrifice, about what's required in order to be back in good standing with God. And in the person of Jesus Christ, everything about that process changes. It's a shadow. It's like the Old Testament was a shadow of what was to come. And that this justification, this being made right, actually has to happen through a process. And that process that we begin to read about here is that justification comes through Jesus's blood. That in the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, we can now be in right standing with God. It is the process of reconciliation. Verse 10 says, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. And now we are saved through his life. So we're starting to get this this um, understanding of how the Old Testament system is fulfilled perfectly by the sacrifice and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now you might not understand all the nuances of that, and you might still be asking, like, why does why does there have to be a sacrifice? But the reality is we, we, we're sort of, like, wired for this, right? You think about what you say when you make a promise. You're like, cross my heart and hope to die. <laughs> or if you remember the idea of being like, I'm going to be in a friendship. We're going to be blood sisters or blood brothers. And if this is like, of course, perfectly inappropriate now and no one would ever do this anymore. But back in the eighties, when people did whatever they wanted, you would like prick your finger and put your finger together with your friend's finger. And you're like, we're blood sisters now, right? There's a, there's been a cost to that. It hurts. There's a sacrifice that's made. And that's an indication of how serious we are about this covenant and about this promise. And, and we, we have that in us. This is this an innate way that we, we operate. And we see that back in the old Testament city, all the way back to creation, We've got this process that God set up that when there has been an injury, when there has been a sin, when there's been a transgression against somebody, there has to be an action that reconciles that transgression. All of that system is laid out for us in the Old Testament, and it's still something that we experience innately today. So the idea that we could get to right standing with God and there would be no sacrifice or no cost, God would no longer be just or holy because that would mean that it doesn't matter. Anything goes. And in fact, we would be God if we're the ones saying what goes and there's, there's no restitution, there's no action, there's no nothing needed to get back in right standing with God. We can just live any way we please and we're always in right standing with God. Then God wouldn't be God. God wouldn't be the one who is just and who is holy and who actually tells us, remember, we go all the way back to the beginning of Romans, God's ways are higher than our ways. He is the creator. He is the one who gets to set the rules. And and, and what's more, he created us that way. So innately, we have in us this desire for restitution when something goes wrong. But what we find in the book of Romans, we find in the person of Jesus, is that that restitution now happens by faith for us. And that by faith 
faith for us is not by faith in us, meaning we ourselves can't do the work needed to make that restitution. Faith is believing that God loves you enough that God loves you so much, as it says in John three sixteen, that he sent his son to be the sacrifice, to be the restitution for us. Faith is actually believing that and, and accepting that and surrendering to the idea that you cannot fix yourself. You know, this is why pride is the, the greatest obstacle standing between us and right standing with God. Because pride says, I want to set the rules. I want to say how it's going to be. And good meaning people, good you can have good intention, but in reality, your deceptive pride is what's keeping you away. When you say that you're the one who's going to set the rules, that's pride. So when we come to God and he's explaining to us, no, actually, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to have to do this by faith. By faith, you believe that I love you so much that I have made a way. And it actually says right in verse two that we have to go through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that on his in his brokenness, his body broken on the cross for us as he stretched his hands out on that cross for us. He says the only way to the father is through me through the brokenness of my sacrifice. Jesus breaks bread at communion. He says, this is my body broken for you. So we experience God through Jesus Christ. And Romans is making that very clear for us on how that's going to happen. We are justified by faith. We are made right by faith. And what happens in that justification is our second phrase. We have peace with God. Peace with God in this situation is not like a weather condition. It's not like today's sunny, tomorrow's stormy. Peace with God is like a location. So I am in Richmond, Virginia, and the circumstances of the weather may change, but my location doesn't change. I'm still here, right? So I can have circumstances that make it feel different here, but my location is still the same. And peace with God is a location, that we experience. It is a noun. It's it's the thing that we are in. We are not, it is not circumstantial. It is not a verb that is sometimes happening and sometimes not. It is an actual noun that we have. And the way we have it is through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And it actually says through him. So here's the location moving. We actually are going through Jesus into grace in which we now stand. That is the location change that is being made. So we have access into the grace. We have a location change made. That's your third phrase. And then finally, we boast in hope. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. And we're going to close that with that. So what's the backstory to all of this? We talked a little bit about the sacrifice, but also the rest of the chapter, verses 12, really through verses 17, um, actually all the way to the end, but right there in the middle is this Paul's kind of setting up this comparison between Adam and Jesus. And what's important for this is that we understand that what Jesus did is a cosmic change that exists back to Genesis and all the way through Revelation and all the way through the culmination of human history. It's not like it was different before. Like, it's like, no, this was always the plan. And everything that happened through Adam is rectified through Jesus. So if you don't know the story of Adam and Eve, or you've only heard it, and you haven't read it yourself, go back and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. If you want to read about the creation of the world and the creation of people, and then what happened in that, right? What you're going to see that happens in that is that Eve and then Adam go their own way. They just 
they make their own decisions, and in that, sin enters in. And this is where we understand the justification of the concept of original sin. And the idea of original sin is that we're all sinful from birth. We're not, we're not like good and then bad and then good again. We're all made in the image of God. So we are, we are all imprinted with God's image, with his mastery, with all the good that is God. But we also bring sin into our life. And we see that here in verse 12, where it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people. We've got this analogy going on where it's like, hey, Adam is the prototypical man, the, the, the way sin entered the world, and Jesus is the way that you experience the abundance of life. Like, he is the second Adam. He lived a sinless life and became our sacrifice so that we could be born into new life. And as you start to think about that concept, you're going to see all of this beautiful parallelism between what happens in Genesis and then what happens when Jesus brings the gospel. So um, it says in Genesis, in the beginning, right? And then it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. And we actually see that what, what Jesus enters in, what Jesus ushers in for us is a whole new life. And he does this through his act of sacrifice on the cross. So we all know the, the, the weight, the danger, and the ramifications of sin. And we can all know the abundance and the goodness and the ramifications of blessing through Jesus. So Paul sets up this parallelism for us so that we can understand what it means that we have access into this grace. And so that final piece is that we boast in hope. And this is like a whole different part of the chapter because in the next verses, we actually see that Paul goes on to say, actually, it's your suffering. It's your suffering that's going to help you know to boast in hope. And that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character produces hope, which feels a little bit to me like a side road that I, I'm like, oh, wait, we're in this like theology lesson. But in the middle of it, Paul breaks in with, hey, this is how this is going to practically work out in your life. And so when I think about what this means for us, we ask that question, what does it mean? What I feel like uh, Paul is really setting up for us in this theology lesson, plus this side road about sufferings and suffering producing character in you, is that peace and hope are always ours to have. Peace and hope are always accessible because peace and hope come with the address change when we relocate the address of our heart, that through Jesus Christ in faith, we get to stand in grace. And in this place that our soul goes, where we're standing in grace, where we're justified by faith, where we have peace with God, which is not about our circumstances. It's not about what we do or what we don't do. Because we get to do that, we actually can change the location of our hope. And every part of us that's wired to find peace and hope in our circumstances, in our successes, in in material things, in material blessings, in our family, in our children, whatever that thing is that you can find your hope in that you think will bring you peace, God actually says, no, like that's a setting of your heart that can change permanently and that is always yours to access. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. 
For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. I've always been fascinated by uh, the martyrs among us, the, the suffering among us, the people who stand by their faith, even in persecution. And one thing that all of those people have in common is they generally talk about their experience of the presence of God when they're in that place of suffering, which flies completely in the face of our setting, our operating system that has us thinking that peace and hope are going to be circumstantial. That if I could just, if things would just slow down at work, I can have peace. If, if I could just get to vacation, I could have peace. If, if things would just work out, then I'll have hope again. And and what I think we learn from those who've been persecuted, those who've suffered, um, they're a living example to us of this passage that actually, if we're looking for peace and hope to come through circumstances, we are at the wrong address. That peace and hope are a setting of our heart that is accessible at all times and it's available to us no matter our circumstances. And guys, I hope uh, in the season that we're in, if you're experiencing some sort of distress or deconstruction through COVID and how everything's gotten just turned upside down, you would see this as training ground. Like just like we exercise our muscles, like we exercise our faith when we have circumstances that aren't easy to live in and we by faith trust that we have hope and peace in God that is a, that is happening in us, not related to our circumstances. So I think for what does it mean for you? I would just ask that question. Do you practice the peace of God in your life? What would it look like for you this week to practice the peace of God, to stop looking for circumstances, relationships, to make that peace come, but to take this on, to take this on in faith that actually peace with God is a location that our soul resides. And I get to step into that location. I can take that deep breath and know I am forgiven. I am loved. I am known. I am redeemed. I have communion with my creator. I know my spiritual parent. I, my soul can rest completely secure, no matter my circumstances, because peace with God isn't about circumstances. And hope in the glory of God is not about this life. So what if we all together decided, I'm going to practice peace with God in the midst of whatever, even if it's a minor, minor annoyances of a bad day or big, hard things that are going on in your life. In the midst of all that, you can lay those things down at the altar of God and say, I have peace with God Because the most important things, the most important things for my soul, all of that stuff is secure. 
the location of my heart address has changed because I've been justified through faith. I have access by faith into the grace that I stand in now and I can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Friends, I hope you'll use these couple of verses as a prayer this week, that you would just take these, maybe write them on a note card, maybe memorize it and use it as a declaration of the truth of your standing with God and of the truth of the practice of the presence of peace of God, which is for us at all times, always available and in abundant supply. Thanks for being here, you guys. Talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.